0: Hello, my name is Rachel Hollis, and I'm the chair of the Royal College of Nursing Professional Nursing Committee. Welcome to the latest edition of Nursing Matters, where we talk about the things that matter to the profession and why nursing matters. Once again, I'm joined by my fellow committee member, Professor Alison Leary. Hello, Alison. How are you this week? Hi, Rachel. Really good, thanks. Alison, since our last episode, we've had the report of the Ockenden Review into maternity services at the Shrewsbury and Telford NHS Trust. What are your reflections on reading the findings of that review?
1: I think the thing that strikes me most, Rachel, is how familiar it is. Mm. A lot of the same issues are coming up, uh, not just in maternity services, but across healthcare. care. So they, they're very similar to a lot of the other major findings of inquiries that we've had, which is disappointing to see. The inquiry that's been requested in Nottingham, the inquiry into mental health deaths in Essex, you know, all of the recent inquiries have been driven by families. Mm. There needs to be more reflection in the system to understand when things are not going well. Maybe something that we'll
0: uh, maybe come back to on a future episode. On this edition, it's nine years since we left the International Council of Nurses, the federation of more than 130 national nursing associations, representing more than 27 million nurses worldwide. And we're celebrating the fact that the RCN has just rejoined the ICN. But why did we leave? Why did we rejoin? And what role can the RCN play in a new global nursing environment transformed by the pandemic and with continuing conflict with the current spotlight on Russia's war in Ukraine? So to talk about this, we've got two special guests. Professor Danny Kelly is the Royal College of Nursing Chair of Nursing Research at Cardiff University. He's a member of the RCN's International Committee and he's also Convener of the Fellows of the RCN. Hello, Danny, and welcome to Nursing Matters.
2: Good morning, Rachel. Great to be here.
0: Danny, before we talk a bit about how we left and have now rejoined the ICN, let's talk a little bit about the RCN Fellows. Who are they and how do they contribute to the college?
2: The RCN Fellows are a a group of people who have made an exceptional contribution to nursing over over the years. They're nominated by colleagues and then they are awarded fellowships annually. Um, it's a small number per year, but over the years we've amassed quite a, a substantial collection of experience and wisdom in our fellows. Um, I've, as you say, just taken over the convener role and it's been a it's been a real eye-opener to see how much talent exists in the RCN Fellows, and the aim is that they will contribute to the work of the Royal College of Nursing, but also to nursing more generally. So it's, a, it's an accolade, but it's also a very important way to draw on experienced colleagues who can help us with current issues such as uh, rejoining the international uh, arena and also what you've just said about, other issues that are impacting such as quality and safety. So it's a very, um, I think, a very special group of people and I'm very honoured to just have joined as the convener.
1: Thanks, Danny. Also with us today is Jenny Watts. Jenny is a registered nurse, health visitor and activist. As one of the coordinators of the We Are Global Nurses campaign, she was a key part of the campaign to persuade the RCM members to vote to rejoin the International Council of Nursing. Jenny, following your campaign, 84% of members who voted at the 2021 AGM voted to rejoin. That must have been a great feeling.
3: Yeah, it it really was a great feeling, Alison, actually. And we've been running this campaign for nearly five years by that point point. Um, but we we always had the intention to give people the choice but obviously starting the campaign we did have a really good sense that it was the way people wanted to go and that putting our efforts and our our passion really into this campaign was essentially um, because we really believed that people would want an opportunity but they really would want to rejoin the international community so it was fantastic but it also was a little bit of a relief after nearly five years of work that we got that result. So let's talk
0: about why we've rejoined the International Council of Nurses and maybe why we left in the first place. Was this the RCN's own Brexit? Jenny, just for those who um, may not know, what is the International Council of Nurses, the ICN,
3: and, and what does it do? The International Council of Nursing is a federation of nursing organisations across the world. They're national nursing organisations. So in terms of being an organisation, what it is, is it's a conglomerate of lots of other organisations. And in terms of what they do, I mean, I think that's such a huge question, Rachel, because... Um, I'm just this morning went on their website to kind of refresh my knowledge and the amount of stuff they do is enormous Um, but they obviously do a lot of work on professional issues they're advancing our profession they have a massive impact on world health with the work they do with the world health organization but they're also interested in nurses and nursing and our terms and conditions so it's a very broad amount of work that they they undertake. So given that why did the RCN leave in the first place, do you think? what were members objections to being part of the icn well that that's a really interesting question and the first thing i want to say is that the we are global nursing team have always respected the democracy of that decision at the time it's never been in our interest to undermine or criticize what happened at the time and i wasn't part of that decision but my understanding was that there there were some concerns around the organization and potentially the amount of money that was being paid into the organization i think the important thing for us as a group of nurses in this organization is like Nurses in practice, that we look at the evidence that's happening at the time, and we review it together and make decisions that are in our best interests and the best interests of nursing. So all I can assume is at the time that decision was made, that that was the best decision. However, what I would say, again, like we do in our nursing practice. Um, situations evolve new evidence comes to light and things change and I think after a few years very much there was a few of us that felt that that had happened and it was time to review the evidence again look again and give people the opportunity to make another decision. When we left, what do you think it meant for nursing in Britain and around the world, Jenny? I think it's always a shame not to work with your international colleagues, if I'm being honest. One of the principles that drives me in my activism is the principle that we are always going to be stronger together. I think that's one of the reasons um, I'm involved with the Royal College of Nursing is that my belief is that me as an individual can affect change, absolutely, but we'll be much stronger if we join together. It's exactly the same that I feel with the unions and professional organisations in the UK, that we would be better if we work with nursing organisations across the UK. And it's the same globally. So I think there definitely was a a bit of a a gap when we left the international community I understand that relationships were kept and individuals kept in touch but I think there was a little bit of um, a a relationship gap with our colleagues across the world when we left
1: I think that's true and and we are global nurses was a really successful campaign not just in terms of the issue but also in terms of activism can you tell us a bit about how it began and, and where you hope to take it in the future
3: yeah, sure. So interestingly, <laughs> it did begin on social media and I think that's how a lot of nurses in the nursing community do connect especially through recent years when it's been more difficult to do so. So it was 2017 and I remember it really well because it was a bank holiday weekend and um, I was with my daughter and her friends. They were old enough to do a little bit of independent activity, but I still need to be with them. So I was kind of walking behind them in lots of activities. And with a lot of other people I was following on Twitter, the International Council of Nurses, um, their, their 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 Congress, which was in Barcelona. And whether, as they were explaining some of the issues – highlighting the solidarity, I think myself and a few other people were having discussions and started to highlight... Well, why aren't we there? And a few of us came forward and said, well, what should we do about it? And actually, my colleague who I'd worked with as a student, as an activist, Paul Jeb, uh, we said, look, we're happy to take something forward. Uh, and it was born. I think from the beginning, the, su- the key to success is that we've been a community of people. We haven't had a particularly strict structure. we have just people that are interested, that have been connecting and connecting with others. In terms of where we go in the future, I think that community will continue to work together, will continue to talk about international in- issues and continue to influence them. But I think like the campaign has been so far, some of that's going to be organic and we're going to, have to, we're going to see how that goes as the time goes on.
1: There was a, a really big turnout for the vote at the AGM, almost 10,000 members. What do you think that tells us about how members felt about this issue?
3: First of all, I think what it tells us is that there is power in nurses organising from the ground up. So I would like to think, but others can always give me their comments if this isn't true, that a lot of the big turnout was due to the campaigning that we did on social media. So we have a very big Twitter following, but we also um, did a lot of work on Instagram. And there's a different demographic of people that were following us on Instagram and maybe a group of people that hadn't been involved with the Royal College of Nursing before. So I think Part of the success was getting the message out there that they did, you know, that there was this vote going on. We get lots of emails from lots of different people and actually using social media and word of mouth to say, look out for the email about the AGM. If you don't go to the AGM, do you know that you can still vote on this issue? In terms of the engagement and the yes vote, I think, as we suspected, that a lot of people do want to be engaged with the international community. I think they see the importance for us linking with them. And I think they see the importance of what we can also get from the international community. Undoubtedly, in the UK, we've got a lot to offer. But genuinely i think we've got a lot to learn as well about how to deliver healthcare how to influence on our terms and conditions how we can progress our profession within our country so i think that's what the what the yes vote was about great thanks jenny and i think that sort of campaigning
0: role was critical in in that vote but i guess so too was then the role of the international committee and and Danny you're a member of, of that committee. What was the role of the international Committee in the process which eventually led up to the vote at the AGM last year?
2: Well, the International Committee has reviewed, discussed, and served as the sort of focal point, if you like, for that discussion um, i 've just joined for a second term of the international committee, so i wasn 't involved. Mm-hmm when the original decision had been made to leave ICN, I suppose the three years that that I can reflect on, it was a mixture of opinions, I think. And it's a forum where different opinions are heard about not just international issues generally, but more specifically, this was a key issue that was a focus for the debate. And there were voices strongly for rejoining and there were voices strongly against so it was a case of trying to um hear both sides and to weigh up the the evidence but more importantly i think to gather information from within the college about reasons we left and possible benefits for for rejoining but also seeking clarification and evidence from ICM themselves about if we rejoined what would this mean and so the committee which is chaired by the RCN president who is as you know elected by members the idea is that it is a, a member focused organization most people on that committee have had quite significant international experience themselves um, as well as having obviously an interest in international issues it's a very interesting opportunity, I think, and a good example of where that committee tried to be evidence-based, tried to review the situation, tried to look at the global picture. And of course, in the middle of all of that, along came the COVID-19 pandemic, which I think just highlighted again to all of us that um, countries really are interdependent. And I think the committee Realised that very quickly, and, and we've all learned that in the time since.
0: And I think I'm right, Danny. That the international committee did recommend rejoining and then taking it to the vote. Is is that right?
2: Yes. Um, as I say, uh, we weighed up the evidence, and, and we tried to do that in a, in a quite an impartial way. You know, almost as if you were. Um, doing a piece of research, really. So we were, mm. we had a, a list of things that might be support rejoining and a list of things that we might need to be concerned about. And balancing those, the committee did make a, and it voted actually to put it forward to support rejoining so that it came mm. from not just, um, it was an internal decision, if you know what I mean, that, that also supported this move.
0: And I think interesting that, that both of you have talked about that need to continue and review evidence, and, and sometimes decisions change um, depending on the evidence that comes forward.
2: Yeah, and I, I, th- I think the other thing to say is, is as we go forward, a key role of the International Committee will be to review activity with ICN and review the benefits for members and the opportunities for members. So I think. That we're reviewing terms of reference right now, and that is going to be one of the key areas of focus, I think, in the committee in the future, because we want to we want to make sure that we do get the best out of membership for all, really.
3: Can I say something on that point as well? Um, mm. Because I think that's so interesting. And I think the International Committee definitely, obviously, you know, like all organisations, you need that level of due diligence. But I think one of the reasons that people voted yes wasn't just about what they can get out of membership. And that's very much what I heard, especially from the newly registered community. It's also about what we can give to the international community Taking, for example, one of the recent ICN campaigns, Nurses for Peace, we've really been overwhelmed by people contacting us and talking to people about how we can join that movement and what we can offer to the international community and the nurses in Ukraine. And I know, for example, it might feel... A small thing when the International Council of Nurses ask us to share on social media an image with us saying nurses for peace or we support nurses in Ukraine. But we know directly because the International Council of Nurses have shared that nurses in Ukraine are seeing those images And that they are very much impacted by the fact that the international nurse community, including us nurses in the UK, are taking the time to share that we are supporting them. So I think understanding what we get is important. And I think understanding how we can get opportunities from the International Council of Nurses they're definitely there but I think as a community we should never lose sight of that being part of this community is about what we can offer and if you look at the ICN website you look at some of their humanitarian funds their work with education and things like that I think I think it's also about what we give. The RCN
0: after all is the largest nursing organisation in the world so I think it's it's right that we then take our place in in what is the primary international nursing organisation in, in the world. You mentioned earlier about the fact that the ICN has, you know, this formal relationship with WHO. So that's kind of where that the voice of nursing is heard internationally. And and Danny, for you, what does being part of the ICN really mean for the RCN and its its members? Is it, as Jenny says, it's it's what we can give as much as what we can benefit from.
2: Yeah, I mean, abs- absolutely, I'd agree, I'd agree with that. I suppose what it does offer is a forum, you know, as a, uh, because I think the RCN, even when we weren't in ICN, we were involved in international issues. And, and the other thing to say is, of course, there are strong regional and specialism-based for, that, that exist globally, you know. So I'm heavily involved in the, the European cancer field, and there's lots of organisations. So I think for me, it's about the ICN offers a point of focus, but we need to, I think, be aware that its scale is vast, and that is a that is a strength. It could also be a weakness in the sense that we need to make sure that. We devote our resources and our time, because that is always the the issue, to a range of, of issues that will actually have an impact. And I think Ukraine is a very good example of where people's sentiments have been extremely clear and they want to support it. And, and ICN, I think, working in tandem with its member organisations, can give a global voice to that issue, which otherwise might not be heard. And I think the RCN should be part of that voice. I'm always very aware of how can that impact a member who is working hard on the front line. And I think that is about things like terms and conditions, voice, representation and and pride in in nursing. So I I hope the ICN membership will allow us to advance those things even further than, than we have already.
3: I I think Danny you're you're absolutely right when you're saying that and I think part of the work that the ICN maybe is not quite as well known for is its workforce forum. Um, I am myself and always have been and always will be a, um, a pay campaigner and I've been very involved with the trade union element of the Royal College of Nursing. And um, they've got a, a great forum where people, uh, the nursing organisations can come up from all over the world and we can share information about successful pay campaign because, you know, in at the end of the day, in terms of nurses and nursing, our pay terms and conditions are related to the success that we have as a profession because we really need that to be right to be able to advance as a profession and i think one of the things that icn did in covid actually was really speak out on behalf of that frontline nurse that individual nurse they were one of the first organizations that i heard that were really highlighting the issues around ppe they were they've absolutely continued to highlight the inequity in vaccine distribution across the world but more specifically what they're doing is really they're really stating what that means to nurses in certain countries where some countries we have a very wide coverage there are still some countries where nurses working on the front line still haven't received their COVID vaccination so I do think that's a very good point that it's in terms of those individual nurses and what it's like to be a nurse in our country across the world The International Council of Nursing absolutely have a role in highlighting and promoting safe, fair pay terms and conditions for those individuals.
1: Just picking up on that, Jenny, and and Danny might want to respond to this as well. So one of the key issues that we know we have is a global nursing shortage. Part of that is very much pay and conditions. And what, what do you think that we could do through the ICN as a Royal College to help address that?
3: I think it is through that workforce forum, Alison, to be honest with you. I think we definitely have had some success in the UK, but there is definitely more we can do and we're living through that. And there are different countries that have had different levels of success and done different things that have been effective, including strike action or action less than strike action. And I think getting together and sharing those ideas, sharing their solutions but also creating that strength as a global profession is a way that we can learn and give information to others about what is successful, what works with our governments. Also having that global voice, making statements on behalf of everyone, because as we know, we're a global workforce. We can't have this conversation in isolation from each other because we nurses work in different countries. We have to bring that conversation into one place and share the information. <laughs>
1: Yeah, with the the UK being so reliant on the international community for supply, it does seem really, really necessary. I was wondering what your thoughts were on that, Danny.
2: Yeah, I think it's a really important question, Alison. And, and, you know, the International Committee were discussing, you know, ethical recruitment strategy. I struggle a bit with that when, when, uh, and we had quite a, a, a robust discussion about whether recruitment in the, or whether terms and conditions in the UK should be the remit of the International Committee. And I would argue that it should, because the reason why people are having to come here from across the globe is because people here either can't stand the conditions or it's not fulfilling in some way. So, you know, we shouldn't just be looking downstream at what, you know, the numbers of people we actually need, which I think is the often the government of the day's response. We should be looking upstream as to, you know, how do we present nursing as a career honestly in this country? And I, I think that needs a big refresh. And I think young people may or may not see it as a valuable career choice. And that's a real pity. I think the international agenda shapes the work of the ICN. But I also think that, the ICN needs to focus on issues within particular countries. And the UK is a very good advanced economy. And we've got, what is it, 50,000 vacancies. And you have to ask yourself why. And, you know, why would a young person choose to go in and stay in nursing? And, and these are political questions. These are you know, the conversation. Sometimes I wonder or, or worry that we do a lot of talking to each other. And ICN and, and RCN, we need to have these kind of conversations with the people in power. And quite robust conversations, I think, I think is, are needed. I think too often we're very polite and, and that doesn't often get you very far. I do think there's a political angle to this and we need to ask those questions. What is it about nursing that people either, we train lots of people, we know that, but they don't stay. And that's a fundamental question that I still have not heard a, a reply to. And We need to keep asking that question, I think.
0: And the other aspect of that that you referred to, Danny, is that ethical recruitment. So absolutely, it's how do we kind of improve our domestic supply, but also when we do look at, at where nurses come to this country at our reliance on international recruitment, then how do we ensure that we also have that ethical approach, which doesn't deplete the workforces of other countries?
2: It is. And I think ICN is a good place to talk about that, you know, because people may choose to, as Jenny said, it's a global workforce. People will move to where the better conditions are. So that's just life, you know. So if the terms and conditions are not good here, don't expect your nurses to stay. They'll go somewhere else. And the ICN, I think, needs to have that kind of debate about what is an acceptable approach. You know, should we be encouraging people to go for maybe a set amount of time for set career development and then return better skilled to their own countries? But there's a fine balance between legislating that sort of thing And just discussing it, I I think it's, I find it very uncomfortable to be taking nurses from places like India. I've I've worked myself uh, some years ago, bringing nurses over when I know they really need them there. So what is about this country that is not delivering that puts us in that position?
3: And I think that's where like a global federation can be helpful because, you know, we're all contributing to the resource that gets the evidence. And then we all agree, don't we? We can agree across our federations and also Mm. have the tools to then go into our countries and our governments. So another thing that the ICN offer is the Global Nursing Leadership Institute, so really what we need to do is uh, we need to increase our skills and our political influencing in all of those countries. Even, the, you know, the UK, there is always room to develop more leaders and to learn from each other. So once we have those position statements, we go back to a, each of our countries and we use the skills that we've learned, the evidence that we've got. And we have the brief to fall back on that we know that this is information that we're all asking for, we're all sharing across the world. And I think that again is another benefit of working together with our colleagues very closely. We're
0: rejoining the International Council of Nurses at a, a time when healthcare really has been completely reshaped by COVID. And Jenny, you've mentioned already the ICN's sort of role within within COVID. But you know, We're currently hearing a lot about um, you know, being encouraged to live with COVID. Danny, I wonder when we think about that and the, the changes that COVID has brought, how do you think the nursing profession has to change to take account of that? And, and what sort of role can the ICN take to, to look at how the profession adapts globally to the, uh, the great challenges that that's brought?
2: For me, I think it's about learning, It's about learning from what happened here during COVID-19 and what should never happen again. And I think it's unacceptable to expect your workforce to work without protective equipment. It's unacceptable to lack leadership at a time when the workforce are stressed and exhausted and, and demotivated and disillusioned. We need to refresh all those things. We need to recalibrate aspects of of preparation and and support. And we've done research into the impact and almost a third of people who responded showed signs of PTSD. They haven't really had any break from that. And then you've got this vacancy factor and then you've got the post-COVID caseload rise. And, you know, the health system really is under huge pressure. And so that's what I mean about... ICN and RCN need to have a strong political awareness and we need to speak to the people who actually can do something about that. And we've got um, lots of opportunities to do it and I think RCN sometimes does that well and sometimes could do better and I think ICN are similar. So it needs to be about learning and reflecting and thinking we will not go through something like that again.
3: I mean, I'd mean, i agree with Danny, but I'd, I'd go further still as well and I would say... What are the roles in these organisations on impacting world health? We've talked a lot about our profession, but obviously our profession, you know, is devoted to that concept. You know, our profession has an amazing opportunity to directly impact world health. We have a very privileged and special role that's very close to the group of patients that, that we deal with. And I think that the opportunities we have together, looking at evidence on all those issues, COVID included, really would help us to impact world health. I think we have to look at ways we're delivering that. So one of the things that, um, that we need to look at as a global profession is advanced nursing practice and learn from those countries that are using that model, potentially in different ways and other ways, Um, I think we should look at our role politically influencing in things like the World Health Organization. And I do think that coming together internationally gives us the tools to be able to do that as a profession together. And one of the projects that I was really impressed with that the International Council of Nurses ran was a TB project. And they looked at basically advancing TB care. And in a certain group of countries, they paid for and trained, I think it was about 117 nurses in in. TB specialism, who then went on and trained, I think it was something like 18,000 healthcare workers, individuals. And they came back with some evidence and data about how they had improved TB care in the world, which I think is a pretty awesome thing. And I think that model could be used in other areas as well.
2: I mean, there's lots of examples where, you know, if you can have a global strategy, a global approach, you can eliminate certain conditions completely. Cervical cancer is another example where campaigning at a global level, you've got countries like Australia who are going to eliminate it by 2030. If we could garner some of that wisdom from Australia, for instance, and apply it to some low-middle-income countries, you could transform the rates of, of those cancers, which, as we know, are so devastating. So it's a, for me, it's about... ICN being a focus for that kind of work and and the uh, International Committee of the RCN linking with ICN and importantly linking back into council and Congress so that members can see what they're contributing as well as what they're getting from this rejoining of ICN.
0: One of the other critical issues facing nursing, along with the rest of the world, is climate change. And on World Health Day last week, the ICN really emphasised that link between human health and the environment and highlighted the impact that nurses can make to mitigate climate change and support communities around the world to adapt to its impacts. Jenny, is this another area where you think the RCN should and could collaborate more closely with our international partners
3: absolutely and again you know from our engagement with the nursing workforce in the UK I think the we are global nurses have managed to do that in a slightly different way and I think it's something potentially the RCN could look at different ways of engagement so we've managed to reach different people in different ways and again I think there is um, a whole new the the newly qualified workforce I think there's a huge emphasis and a huge desire to impact on issues of climate change. It's, it's a very real issue to newly qualified nurses. I think it's a very real issue to, to the nursing workforce, but we've especially noticed it with that group. And I think I'm just looking at um, the ICN and the work they've done. And I think one of the things they have managed to do is be a really strong international voice I think we all need to input it. We all need to share information. We need to get it out. You know, again, we're coming back to this question. What does the ICN do for each individual member? Well, if we can speak out on behalf of nurses on these important issues like climate change, we're speaking for every nurse. That's what it's doing for every nurse, but it's also doing it for every person. You know, nursing is such a powerful profession. It, in many countries, it remains the, voted every year as the most trusted profession. And it's very important that issues on climate change, that we have that global voice. And also in terms of how we use that global voice, the influence they have on that global community. So their formal links to the World Health Organization, they're able to intervene at the World Health Alliance, so they have that opportunity to speak. That's the chance for voice nurses to have their voice heard on climate change. And that has happened, but it does need to continue to happen. What would be the one thing
0: that you would say that you want to most see from our renewed membership of the ICM?
3: Well, it, it, that's such a difficult question. We, When we were doing our campaign, we went out and asked people for quotes, why do you want to rejoin? And then we made them into infographics and we shared them. And it was very powerful because it was someone's face, someone's words. It wasn't just a small group of us saying we want this. And I can honestly put my hands on my heart and say to you that I think we had about 170 quotes. And we also had about 170 reasons why we should rejoin. For every individual nurse or someone from the nursing community, they had a different reason, whether that was research, research social justice, advancing their particular area of practice. But for me personally, this is me as an individual, I'm a pay campaigner. I believe in the power of solidarity to achieve good pay, good terms and conditions, good safe staffing for our workforce here in the UK. So my own personal reason, which is the only reason I can give, is that I believe that joining with that huge amount of other national nursing associations will help us give and get a lot of information, but give us that extra solidarity that we currently do need in the UK to be able to persuade our governments that we need to be paid properly to keep to attract people into our profession and to keep them there so that we can deliver healthcare and we can impact in the UK that's my own personal reason but I would hazard a guess if you ask my campaign team they would also come up with a different reason depending on the path they take the shoes they walk in. Danny the same question I guess what
1: would you like to see as the outcome from us rejoining the ICN?
2: For me similar issues but Perhaps more about strengthening the profile of nursing. I think it is strong in some areas and in other areas it's just not. And it's stronger in some countries than in others. So I think there needs to be a bit of disruption. I think there needs to be a bit of agitation. I think we need to use those links with WHO and other influential organizations. But for me, it's about how do you make those 50,000 vacancies a thing of the past. That should not be happening in our country if nursing was treated in a way that made young people want to make a career. And that's probably true in different countries for different reasons, but we need to use the good examples from elsewhere to really push for some changes and some improvements. And if, if joining ICN gives us a stronger voice, then so be it, I'm all for that.
0: That, unfortunately, is the end of the podcast. I'm sure that we could talk for longer and we've covered a lot of ground, but we we hope you've enjoyed the conversation. So tell us what you're interested in or concerned about in the world of nursing by tweeting us at the RCN with the hashtag NursingMatters, and we'll do our best to cover them in future episodes. But for this week, thanks to our special guests, Jenny Watts. Thank you, Jenny. Thank you. And Danny Kelly.
2: Thanks, Rachel.
0: And to my co-host, Alison Leary. Thanks very much, Rachel. And remember to follow us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you've got time, give us a nice positive review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to spread the word about nursing matters. Thanks for listening. Stay safe.